Welcome to the Temple of Geek podcast. I'm Lacey Bond, and for this episode, I have not one or even just two, but four amazing guests with me talking about an upcoming crowdfunded film they're working on together called Burned, about the origin of the Malleus Maleficarum. Joining me is director Paula Rhodes of Resident Evil, Sarah Nicole Robles and Sissy Jones of The Owl House, and Neil Newborn of Baldur's Gate. This was an incredibly fun chat. We touch on witches, black cats, performance capture, and the democratization of art via the crowdfunding model. Enjoy. Welcome to the Temple of Geek podcast. I'm your host, Lacey, and with me I have a gaggle of amazing voiceover artists. I'm going to let them introduce themselves one by one, starting with the director of the project that we are talking about today. Hello, I'm Paula Rhodes. Hi, my name is Sarah Nicole Robles. I'm Sissy Jones. Hi, I'm Neil Newborn. And as I've established, I'm Lacey Bond. Okay. I, like the, I like the idea of the gaggle. I think actually the collective yeah. pronoun for actors is a drama of actors. Oh, well. is that true? <laughs> I want it to be true. Oh, I was <laughs> like, oh, I would have bought that as, we as real. I thinking gaggle's not wrong, though. <laughs> gaggle's probably as close as you can Yeah. It's better than uh, a murder. A murder, a murder of actors. A murder of actors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were all in black, so mm. maybe it's, I don't know. Everyone follows gorgeous fits. I know. just radiant. I have black pants. I have the eyeliner or the eyeshadow I said. We... Coordinated unconsciously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're really well coordinated here. <laughs> what was the first time you heard the term witch? What did it mean? <laughs> Interesting question. Um, I heard witch when I was about eight. Um, I used to be, I was a massive reader, so I used to spend a lot of time buried in books. Um, I think the first time was a story about a good witch. I can't remember the details of it. It was a kid's thing, but it was based on an old fable in Britain specifically, and it was about a good witch. So my first interaction with the idea of what a witch was, was somebody that helped, but was ostracized. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't burned at the state, it was a kid's book. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it wasn't, right? It's Britain, you never know. Um, it could have been quite violent actually. Um, but it was very much about the idea that this was an older woman, you know, classic sort of witch type look, but was misunderstood. These, I think it was children were like, I don't know, the, the story was something about like the children needed help, she ended up helping them, they believed her but when nobody else was supporting her or something like that. And it was like a nice thing of saying, yeah, not everything, it was, the idea was that not, don't judge somebody by what you think they are, get to know who they are. That was the kind of moral of it. So that was the first time I heard the term witch, which was interesting. And then I learned about the, <laughs> all the fun we had in the Renaissance yeah. times, darling, burning them at the stake and stuff. So it was, yeah, it was an interesting introduction as a kid. It was like, oh, okay, that's not quite what originally the, the term probably meant. It's actually something different. Uh, and then of course, yeah, you get hit with the, we used to burn them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, sis? I think mine was probably uh, either The Wizard of Oz or like Hans Christian Andersen stories, you know, Hans Christian Oh yeah, the Hans Christian Andersen stories. Yeah. I mean, yeah. talk about violent. Um, it seems like such a nice person. <laughs> she just eats the children. She just it's eats fine. the children. But you know, it, for me, and then I went to Catholic school uh, in high school and it was a coming into this and learning uh, really the history of witches and druids and pagans and mm. the Malleus Maleficarum and all of this. Uh, it's been a, a re-education for me in the last like 15 years of like, no, there are reasons that this was perpetuated. What about you, Nikki? First time you heard the term witch, what the connotation was? I don't know. I guess I had like the, the wokest childhood. I don't know, <laughs> but it's also Disney. Like I'm thinking it was probably like Snow White or 
Um, <clears throat> where are my other witches? Hoc uh, Hocus Pocus. Mm. But they're all kind of baddies, too. So I always wanted to be a witch. <laughs> like, I was a witch every Halloween. I would be like Princess Jasmine as a zombie witch. And, like, <laughs> and my mom was like, you're going to be a witch again. Another one. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> at least like, that was a zombie witch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, why Why I can't she be at all? <laughs> the mashup cosplay. Uh, yeah, I was. I can show you the OG in it. Wasn't good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I always loved witches, so I guess I had a little bit of bias. And I was thinking, like, Catholic school, like, they really didn't hate on witches. I think, really? you know, I don't know, maybe it was a woke Catholic school. Like, there <laughs> was no hate. I read Harry Potter in Catholic school. Wow. Yeah, wow. I know. I remember one of the kids, he had to, like, get you a note from Jersey, his mom. Oh, right. Yeah, Jersey. I, I don't know. Good mm. job, Jersey. Idaho. Yeah, I, I, we, okay. we, we, you know, it was always, like, a magical, just, Beautiful, earthy thing for me. I yeah, no no negative connotations. We need ever. to reach out to this school because I think they actually might be like a witchcraft and wizardry school. <laughs> we should check this. I think they got closed down. <laughs> and the story makes sense. <laughs> and for me, um, I would say, I would I'd say it's probably Hansel and Gretel, and I remember rather clearly questioning my mom on it because I was like, wait, 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 the house is made of candy. So there's like a lot of bugs and stuff. And I was like, no, that wouldn't this make sense. And honestly, it probably is very foretelling of my like questioning of sources. Like, I'm going to stop you right there. Let's have a little rewrite on this. Ah, um, and it all makes sense because as I, I went to journalism school, I have a degree in journalism for crying out loud. Um, it, it, okay. Learning to question the sources or what the motive of somebody putting something out there for has always kind of been a part of me, but I think it's something we need to share a little bit more with humans in general because you see in history these women that maybe had in their culture some power as the healers, as the leaders of ritual or otherwise. And then, you know, um, the Romans or whomever the conquerors of the day were come in and they're spreading a religion at the same time and they have to suppress the current leaders of the area. And the way to do that is to, you know, demify them. And so, so constantly putting women down, uh, if they were in power, finding a really easy way to do that is to, to declare them pure evil. Uh, so I think, I think it's kind of always been in my soul somewhere, right? Like uh, that I need to write this wrong, that I need to find a way to take that narrative back a little bit. So it feels really glorious or maybe magical to be able to do so. Uh, so literally last fall, I was listening um, on the way to jobs of to this podcast. Uh, we'll bring it up. We'll circle back. It's fine. To a podcast called Witch on BBC. And that's where I first learned about uh, the Malleus Maleficarum and the fact that it was essentially just a rage post by this glorious troll named Heinrich Kramer. And it just really struck me. And I did a, I think a Facebook post or something just kind of informing my underground railroad of people on there of, uh, of this information. And I got a text from a writing partner of mine who's sort of connected to the magical community that said, you're going to make a film about this. And I was like, oh, Beverly. <laughs> and then literally that night, I had a dream where the entire film kind of spilled out before me and I saw it. It's, here's the Wizard of Oz moment. We're like, and you were there? And you were there? <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was really inspiring where I woke up just incredibly like ready to write this. And I did. Within about two days, I'd written the first draft. And I shared it with America, who's one of my writing partners and collaborators for tons of things. And she was like, yes, just yes, we're making this. And um, within a few days of that, I was jumping to a convention where I met Julian Richings for the first time. And his face is so 
wonderful and magical and villainous despite being attached to the most gem of a human you've ever met. And I, I was having dinner with him and I just kind of pitched him this idea. And I was like, I think you need to be my villain. Um, <laughs> hi. And just spilled it out and automatically, you know, uh, we get these on occasion as actors and usually you just kind of like pat the head and like, sounds great. Let me know if it happens. And he was like, yes, absolutely. Let's make this. And that encouraged me then to try to reach out to Sissy, which I was like, I mean, what are the chances? I knew her from social gatherings of fellow friends. Um, and I think I sent, I don't even know if you know this. I sent Tara and Yuri a text like, Hey, could you like forward an email from me to Sissy and just see if she would maybe like, I started writing this and I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll just, we can bleep that part out. Um, I'll just, (laughs) I'll just write her on Instagram. And I, I wrote her and within like minutes. Oh my God. Well, because I had also listened to that podcast, and I have been, you know, getting into the whole witchery of it all in the last couple of years anyway. I've got the, the tattoos to prove it. And uh, I had been thinking about the Malleus Maleficarum and how it was, like, such a bullshit period in history and, you know, whatever. It made me very And oddly mirroring passionate. now in some ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you sent that, and it was like, it, it, there's these moments in my life that are, I call them the cosmic zipper, where it's like... When you're on the wrong path and you're doing the wrong thing, you just keep hitting up against the steel wall. And then when it's the right thing, it just goes zoop. And that's exactly what that felt like to me. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was so cool. And I think the next day or so, I reached out to Neil. I was like, hey. <laughs> Strange well, thing. I may have dreamt about you last night. Yeah, so like, <laughs> you might, and granted, with all of his Baldur's Gate fun, he might be getting quite a few messages <laughs> like that lately. <laughs> Um, but we'd had the joy of working together on Resident Evil Village, yeah, and it was man. such a great community-building yeah. event with fans and things during COVID because it yeah. just became this thing that we needed at the time. So um, I was like, I mean, he might be too busy to even see this. Yeah. And he, had, he replied also very quickly, and I was like, oh, wow. Well. Yeah. Fast forward, these things just spiral. I think we made she it She was into, like, I need, I need like someone young who yeah. like, has great presence and is funny, and I and was like- And gets along well with yeah. you. This one. This one she right said here. It. She texted And I looked at her up. We were one. We refused. <laughs> yeah, I literally looked up your picture and I was like, yeah, that's Marjorie. Right, let's do it. <laughs> it was just so crazy. She told me the, about like your story and I thought you guys had like written it together because this is like is so what she's been talking <laughs> about and like manifesting and being like, people need to know. And then this came up and I was like, that was really weird, like, <laughs> that you didn't write it, you know, that you weren't yeah. involved. Like, well, like it was clearly there. meant to be for yeah. her. And I love the fact that so many people that have come to this have been um, mm-hmm. uh, fitting a part of my life, which I think is one of my purposes, is to, to prove that you don't have to just stick to one lane, right? Because I got told that all the time starting. It's like, oh, you're an actor. You're pitching us this thing. Just make sure you don't write a part for yourself. And then being in rooms with guys pitching as the producer, and they'd be like, oh, bro, you should play this role. And it just struck me so, like... <clears throat> No, women can definitely multitask. So I think being able to prove that people can be on-camera actors, can be voice actors when they're not usually, can I have a director who's up for the role of an actor in, in this that's just fantastic. So I love being able to prove that we can wear multiple hats, that mm-hmm. artistry translates. And yes, there are learning curves in certain technical aspects, but but it translates. <laughs> you don't have to pick a lane. I think it's so interesting coming from a British point of view, because I spent a lot of time in America. But um, I think it's fascinating because in, in Britain, very much the case of you do one thing, don't get too above your station. God forbid you were too yeah. successful. Whereas we always have this idea that in America, actually the opposite should be true, that the American dream, blah, 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 that actually you can do stuff from nothing and do everything because if you can, you should. 
So it's interesting to hear from an American's point of view, especially a female American's point of view, that it's absolutely not the case. Well, I think that's the, I think that's the key, is the female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is very British, though, too. I studied in London, and when we first got there and got the, like, intro to British culture, it was very interesting to learn that this ambition that we'd been drummed into us as American children was not universally human necessarily a lot of times it's suppressed in other areas yeah i mean for me you know, i always took the american model so i, I yeah. came in first as an adult in 2004 and i've been working pretty much ever since and i remember thinking yeah there's not just one way it's actually yeah. the way that you choose it's the one that you want to fight for what you want to choose for obviously i'm speaking from a male point of view as well so there's a certain amount of privilege with that but even still it's still you know oh don't do too much you know you won't be able to be good enough of this thing if you do too many things it's bullshit Oh, can we swear? Oh, yeah, I meant yeah. to ask that. You need <laughs> I've to never fully us. established with our editor whether we, we have to a push policy. An we'll yeah. find out. If we do. I think bullshit is an appropriate term. Um, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so if the, if the curse is really worth it, we can do and it. We can cut. If it's a problem, I'm sure, Monica, forgive me if I'm saying something that's not accurate. In terms of Hi, Monica. We're going to really screw with your edit now. Sorry, Monica. <laughs> But yes, sure this nice came person. about very magically. <laughs> I think it's the right time for it. And I think it translates really well to some things that that I don't like seeing happening again. <laughs> that we do see a lot of mob mentality and the fact that you can trick fools and then you just have to silence the intellectuals, right, to, in order to get these awful things to start happening. So, yeah, anytime we can... We can have a tiny bit of justice by changing hearts and then changing minds, which is... Or just reminding people. Yeah, just which is what the power story is. It's it's to get those messages out to touch. Well, I think that's what's so fascinating is so many people don't know about this book, right? We know about the witch hunts. Mm -hmm. We know about you know what happened and how many people were <clears throat> subjected to them. But to to actually read some of this book and the things that were classified uh, as making a person a witch, like you showed up in my dreams last night. She's a witch. It's like no, you're a Freaking well, pervert. Yeah. <laughs> and you're I doing mean, diabolical you're things to me. I am actually yeah. a witch. I showed up here. But like, you have a third nipple. That's how you feed the devil. Like, yeah. sorry, Marky Mark has a third nipple. Like, does that make him Marky a Mark's in league with the devil? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it is. Um, I mean, I, I hearken back, I think, in the campaign and otherwise to the fact that there are literally illustrations that he drew where there's just dozens of penises hanging out in a <laughs> nest that the women are feeding oats to that they've stolen away from these gentlemen. And, you know, it's just an illusion. They may not notice that they're gone in real life. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You have a cat? Witch! 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 There were so many things that at the time, like... But it's, inter it's interesting with the cat thing, actually, because that's one of the reasons why it became so difficult. That's why... A lot of women during the play were accused of witchcraft mm -hmm. because they're fucking cats. Right. Uh, and actually cats were the thing that yeah. was killing the rats yeah. from stopping the plague. They yeah. didn't get it. And da, da, da. But then all these you cats know. were killed because they were, killed. they were familiars. They yeah. were products of the yeah. devil. Actually, and then you have the black plague. Yep. It's actually still really hard to get black cats adopted yeah. because of all of this. Really? Fake, yes, <laughs> yeah. black cats and black dogs because it's like an omen. Wow. You can't get Too them many. adopted. Yeah. And this is so silly. Love yeah. humans, but they're so stupid. So stupid. <laughs> so dumb. So dumb. Wow. So we're just... Let's change that. Yeah. So smart. So dumb. Yeah. yeah. So smart. <laughs> so dumb. Um, so I want to hear about each of the characters you three are playing, starting with you, Nikki. Oh, gosh. I think I feel like I'm like the audience's <laughs> way in, right? If, if that's a good way to describe yeah. it. So I'm kind of here just like 
And then what? <laughs> you know, um, I am, you know, part of the crew, but I wasn't, I, I don't have all the knowledge. So I am. You're learning. Yeah. I'm kind of holding the audience's hand and saying like, come with me. Like, let's jump into this world. Cause it's, it's not a super long script, but you immediately are like, boom. And I think that, you know, speaks to you kind of creating such a vivid world right off the bat that we all want to go, Okay. Yes, and like keep leaning in, and then you take it away. I have all the knowledge, so <laughs> I spent some verses. <laughs> Please, Guru. Yeah, no, and that, that's exactly what happens. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm a, a on camera, which I don't typically do. Um, I'm a librarian who uh, shares the the story of the Malleus Maleficarum and of Helena in Germany and what happened, and you know how this guy became <laughs> one of the best selling authors ever. And oh yeah, I'm a fellow librarian. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm like the novice. Which no, is kinda, like, yeah. which I love because we worked on an animated show together, The Owl House, and so we've never been on camera yeah. together. You've done on camera before, but yes, I never have. Keep saying she has to all the time. I know. Right. Like I said, the, the chance to show that off and prove to the world that she can, I think, is just mm-hmm. glorious. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on your turn. Yeah. You. <laughs> uh, I'm playing Francis. Um, a good example of people that get into power and position become a little jobs worthy and ultimately don't see the threat until it hits them because of complacency, I think. And also, I mean, initially he's sort of very much like, this is ridiculous, witchcraft is not a thing, you know, you're using this for your own means. And I'm pretty sure it's been a minute. So I haven't finished the character design yet, but I'm pretty sure that at the end, it's sort of like, they all sort of get kind of like half tricked into believing it and they just go with it and suddenly the whole thing starts happening. But he's one of those weak men that really could is not an ally at all. He's actually just wants to get on with his nice life and this is just an inconvenience and then it turns into... He tries to be to some extent. Yeah, a little, yeah, bit. A, a little bit, but yeah. it's like, it's not enough. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, again, that thing of... You know, you, people don't take threats seriously sometimes. We're seeing that right now. Yeah. Well, uh, you're willing the, to put your own neck out there. For yeah, exactly. It's, it's about what are you willing to go beyond just your little kingdom of, well, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to lose all the, what I have, the little that I have. Therefore, I'm not going to say anything because it's just, it's a bit of, you know... Hassle. <laughs> so it's, but it's always interesting that, what is it, um, uh, uh, I can't remember the, the, the quote, something like evil men succeed when good men do nothing or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's very much along those lines. And I think we see it, I mean, we're talking about history, talking about how we have to remind people about these things, not because it's just a historical fact that happened. It's also because patterns repeat because human beings haven't really evolved socially, I would say. We've evolved a little bit, but we haven't evolved some aspects of our humanity. Because why? otherwise, why are we in the situation we're in now, especially in America, especially in Britain as well? We're also having uh, women's uh, rights being attacked slowly. Not quite as with such expediency as it is. <laughs> but it's definitely a conversation on the table now, which it yeah. never was, um, mm. you know. And so it's an interesting thing that we forget to look back at history to remind ourselves of who we were, who we might still be, and where we can go. So this is why this kind of uh, project's really important, I feel. Um, it's a real reminder of, listen, we have evolved in many ways socially, we definitely haven't in other ways, so we have to watch our ass. I absolutely think that if I could have any, any superpower, it would be the ability to weaponize empathy, mm-hmm. because I think that would really change the world. And I think what I keep having to remind myself that we kind of get a little bit of that power by being able to be storytellers, by bringing things to life that do let people put themselves in the shoes of someone else and see another perspective and open hearts. 
Because the only way to do that or to change minds is through the heart. It's a, in so. travel imagination. Yeah. Because in re physical terms, if you travel a lot, you tend to have more empathy yeah, absolutely. with people. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have the luxury of travel, which is a luxury right. to be able to it see is. other countries, then stories are another right. way, a cheaper right. way, yeah. an easy and more accessible way of doing that. So, yeah. I love the spirit of collaboration around. We hate each other. What was it? I was like, I'm going to screw up her project because she did that thing on set. No, no, it's great. Just because I was a giant brain that tried to change her. Whatever. That's right. She and I have been in a project together, and you and I have been in a project together. Yeah, there's lots of Venn diagrams here, but that's what I love about the world. The acting world in general, the voiceover world especially, it is terribly collaborative and supportive, and we do bump up against each other, even if we never get to be in the same room sometimes yeah. on projects a lot of times you'll be like, yeah. you were in this i was in this right. oh my god you know <laughs> getting to to meet them afterwards yep. under the fact and and anytime i can bring people together in person it's oh my god. just glorious it's so. heaven yes. yeah okay. this, is, this is very cool um because i know in voiceover work a lot of the time you don't get to act against never even <laughs> almost, almost never, never. Almost no never, unless yeah. it's a performance capture situation but like mm -hmm. no voiceovers like we've never recorded together i only recorded with one person on owl house yeah, once. Wow. Who was it? Uh, Tati Gabrielle. She plays um, Willow, my bestie. And it was like early on, too. And she was like, it was so uh, exciting, but also really hard to not normally. And like, you're in your padded room. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. I actually get to react. Oh, but I can't step on her toes. You know, like you have to like leave a little space because it's still voiceover. It's not on camera. Yeah. So it was like a totally different beast. And then afterwards I was like, so who are you? <laughs> you know, like I mean, like got to chat a little bit. Is it's it, so opposite. It's interesting with that because in a similar way, but slightly different. Um, I, the first time I met Paula and everybody was not as a, hi, how are you doing? I'm Neil. Yeah. It was in the scene. Yeah. Yes. I was late to the party for Resident Evil Village. Yes. I missed the read through because I was literally flying in there. Yeah, day. they just tossed you in. Yeah. So I turned up and hi, 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 hi. And then we started. And now you're so Heisenberg. I got to meet everybody's character first, including Maggie Robertson, who's like awesome. And I remember thinking, what a fun way of meeting everybody. <laughs> yeah. I get to meet you. And, like, so you're like, <laughs> and then you hear like their real voice and you get their real personality. And then you're like, yeah. oh, but okay. It, but, but interestingly, because of. Only part of me is actually a demon doll. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. But interestingly, I got a lot from watching how their choices mm. and everybody's oh, like wonderful. craft. I was like, I get a good sense of everybody now. Playful, a bit more structured, da -da -da -da, all the kind of little nervous, little into you know, all that kind of stuff. Not in a bad way, I just mean like yeah. nervous for a performance capture or whatever. Um, and play very playful. <laughs> so it was really nice to, it was a nice way of meeting people actually. It was like, cool, it now let's a, find out who we are. It was a really, a really nice treasure to have that yeah. that first thing that we did together all be in Everybody a group, together. which you yeah. never very get to do smart. in performance yeah. capture. It's maybe one or two. That's because Steve Kneebly Knee is a very smart uh, yeah, director. Yeah, it was so, it was yeah. so fun. I do love that though because you get to learn from people. Mm -hmm. Like I, uh, I did a game called Firewatch, and it was all mm -hmm. conversation. Yeah. I played that game. Oh, hey! Yeah. Long before I knew who you were, it was, it was a really cool game. But my my partner, Rich Summer, is this incredible actor, and I was real green, and so I learned so much just in those conversations. It was great. It was amazing. The best slash most stressful, yeah, learning when you're like, oh, oh you're much better. Like, yeah. oh, you're <laughs> when you actually have a degree. And you're like, so, okay, I'm okay. going to keep. Motion capture is an interesting type of acting, having done, you know, a, most of mine's probably on camera, and then getting into voiceover later in, li later in life. In my own age. <laughs> um, I mean, yes, but no. Um, and it, it uses so many different parts of the brain. 
because I mean, you're, you're doing as much commitment and committing to the, the character and the scene, but you don't have the benefit of this amazing, you know, sets and costumes and makeup where you're just seeing somebody like, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. And so to see, I think I got thrown in it with one of the, with the first Resident Evil or not first, but seventh or whatever, um, <laughs> where they just tossed me in and I'm doing the table read like, oh shit, these people are amazing. <laughs> All right, level up. Because they were, you know, we're sitting there with like, instead of swords, you have PVC pipe and you have dots all over your face and you're wearing spandex. And yet you're like, no, I'm committing a thousand percent. And I feel like that's even more distracting though than like just voiceover, right? just on camera. Because yeah, you're like, I am looking at someone covered in polka dots and, camera, like, and a PVC <laughs> pipe. Yeah, like versus like on set, you have like a real fake knife or like yeah. a, in voiceover, you're just like all in your brain a little, you know, like everything's imaginary. So, I, shout outs to all yeah. It's interesting though when you, when you understand what it is because it's a, it's the happy marriage between theatre and film, mm -hmm. and right in the middle you then have to sprinkle an awful lot of willing suspension of disbelief mm -hmm. in a good way in imagination yeah. terms, and you're treading this fine line. And actually, from my my point of view, I think it weirdly it's one of the purest forms of acting because you'll spend more time in the volume acting than you ever do on set. In TV and film, yeah. you'll do more runs of it than you ever do in theatre. If you're lucky, you do two, what a matinee yeah. and an evening performance. So for me, it's like I actually prefer not prefer it, but I really enjoy it because once you get over the oh, everybody can see whether or not I'm Jewish or <laughs> 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 as a man. I mean, I'm talking about you know because nobody looks good in spandex. Oh, nobody I mean, looks I good in spandex. School, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, nobody looks good in spandex. Once you get like, once you get over that thing of this is my entire anatomy, um, then. <laughs> Then you realize what freedom there is because because there is only a gray box, because it's a PVC thing, you have to go back to the six-year-old imagination it's in such childhood. a forced way. It's so easy. Yeah, well, now I want to do mocap, guys. It's really fun. It's super fun. <laughs> yeah. It's really left out. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds awesome. And the, and the things they can build with Apple boxes just... Ooh. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you have two cones. And also, you know, now now there's a lot more people going into it. You get much better um, ethnic diversity representation. Yes. Um, back in the day we did mocap, we had no idea what kind of character we were playing in terms of, in terms of melatonin skin tone yeah. and heritage and all that stuff. Now it's more appropriate, which is great. Mm. More diversity, which is yeah. great. More representation, which is great. More women. More women, yeah. which is great. You know, so it's really it's a really interesting medium. I really like it enormously. But yeah, booth work is also great. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if we get an epic budget, we can think about yeah, it. Like, can you squeeze in some mocap for me? <laughs> I mean, when we were brainstorming this together, um, back in the day in the fall, America and I really did have this sort of anthology idea where we were bouncing back and forth different things that we were working on that were all kind of in the same Twilight Zone-esque vein. So, I mean... Gosh, how cool would it be? The, the problem is we have so many talents, you know? It's, it's, a, it's a plethora, a richness of talent to pick from, and that we feel very lucky. So in the film, it opens live action with you two as the librarians. Three. And There's three librarians. It'll be a, you know, the, the, the waxing is, moons. She's, she hasn't been announced yet. Yes. The third is a ghostly presence yes. over there. Over here. So it starts with live action in the library, and then it goes into this... Graphic novel. Mm -hmm. So your character, is it Franz? Franz. Yeah. Franz um, is one of those characters, and mm -hmm. we go into the past, right? Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. Who's the artist? Uh, Zach Finfrock, who it, I've known from the web series world for, for years and years, which is how I initially got my creator hat 
I guess, going back when everybody was laughing at us for web series, and we're like, I don't know, we got this budget from this brand we teamed up with, and, you know, started making things, and there were the streamies as the awards, and all. The streamies. Wreck. Yes, it was wild. It was a whole huge award show where they were giving out, I mean, they still go, I believe. Um, Yeah, it was pretty wild. (laughs) It was like the the world cracked, and there was a whole other society down here with different levels of celebrity as well, as the the web was kind of getting built up, and they were like, YouTube stars. Mm -hmm. Um, It was wild and crazy, and very wild west. Uh, but we, we cut our teeth doing that where you could be like, yeah, I think we can make a production in a week. Let's do it. And <laughs> so, uh, no, no, lost my train of thought there. That's fine. Yeah. So, um, Zach Van Frock is who I met him during that phase of life and he's gone on, he did a huge fan film for fallout. They got kind of viral tested called fallout nuke break. And I believe he's doing a second one right now. Yeah. He's he's an actor and creator. He's fantastic. And he also is a very gifted artist. And I saw, I think I just saw him post something, um, right around the time this was all coming together. And I was trying desperately. I'm like, man, America, how can we do this though? Like that's a hell of a budget to go and shoot. Cause in it was written as if it's live action, sort of, in the beginning. I'm like, how do we shoot this? Would we part, shoot that part in Europe or Toronto? What would we do? And then she's like, I mean, or you can make it animated. I'm like, well, animated is a huge budget. That's like millions. And then I was like, or what if it's a motion graphic novel? And then it's just mostly voiceover, like a radio play with a really pretty, hmm, hang on a tick. And then I, I had lunch with Zach, and he was like, yes. Let's do it. So he was getting his second Fallout thing all in a row, which you can check out now. It's pretty awesome. And uh, and then was is on board to rock this. So that's sort of the... Producer extraordinary. <laughs> the genesis of that part. But but having done my very first feature film, kind of also fighting against that like pickling mentality, where my husband and I were the leads and the entire production crew. And all we kept getting told while making it or getting the contracts from SAG was like, you can't do it that way. And I'm like, I mean, I can here's the footage. I think I can do it. And getting all the way through like premiering at Dances with Films and getting winning audience choice there and getting global distribution. It's kind of been really fun to prove people that you can tell your story. You can look at what you can do and what you have at hand. And there's always a way. It might involve a lot more creativity and and or problem solving, but there's a way. So if I can inspire anybody to tell their story, I think that's always an extra benefit. It's interesting with that, isn't it? Because like the old adage is nobody knows anything. Yeah. And it's true. And a friend of mine, Brian Larkin, made a, a film uh, in the pandemic because he was shooting mm-hmm. something in Jordan or something like that. And he was forced to spend two weeks in a hotel isolating. And he's a, he's a filmmaker anyway. He makes his own stuff. So he brought all of his equipment and then he phoned all of us up during the filming of his own thing of isolation, about man going mad in isolation. It's a little bit like Locke, so you see actually he's got a lot of problems in his life and they all sort of surfacing. And he just goes bonkers. But he was calling all of us up to and being in the film, talking to us, so we didn't know. It's very funny. But again, it's pretty like, yeah, the, nobody knows anything. Just try it, make it. You can. And it's also right. like if you, if you want me to get something done, tell me I can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. There is, there is a, you know, Challenge and the, granted that is yeah. a certain type of human that I just came out being for sure. But um, but yeah. yeah, I've always been like, well, I'll just do it then. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for doing it with me because I definitely couldn't entirely do it all on my own. Thank you for having me. <laughs> just switching wings. I think you could, and I would watch that version as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's like. That's an original, like, old-school web series vibe. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Which is also coming back around with, like, TikTok sketches, where it's just yes. one person in eight different ways. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes, I've seen that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I want... The TikTokers. Sorry. TikTok. Oh, TikTok. Um, 
Uh, I want to talk a little bit about this this whole collaborative effort. A big part of it is the fact that it's crowdfunded. So I want to talk about that. You've got that model. We talked about um, uh, when when you wrote me mm -hmm. uh, some answers to questions about what made the crowdfund model special, um, being like the involvement of fans and supporters in getting the piece of art done. And if I can soapbox for a minute, please. I love film because it is <laughs> the biggest, most collaborative <coughs> form of art and storytelling, only surpassed by giant, amazing video games with huge story trees that you can sure. never play all the way through. Larian. Baldur's Gate. What's a Baldur? <laughs> um, so... Okay. Sorry. 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 Cut for Monica. <laughs> um, Don't cut it, Monica. <laughs> I will ASMR you into a bang. That's um, her new ringtone. Don't cut it. <laughs> I brought this just for you. Just for me. So if you want to record me a little bit. Okay. Guys, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. should we should just go. We should leave. It's my little weird. You should you should leave. Okay. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about the crowdfund model, what makes it special, the involvement of fans in getting the thing made. Absolutely. So there's two main reasons that we decided to go with crowdfund uh, as a model for building, getting our funds quickly. Well, that just gave away the end of it. But the first I'll leave with that then, because honestly, the speed with which you can get the funds and make the story is is unsurpassed when it comes to crowdfunding. You're, you have them within a month or two, right? It's fantastic. And then as compared to grant funding or private funding where you, you can be fighting that for a year or, you know battling it out in the competitions. Two, it's just the, the audience building. You get to actually literally get people invested in, in your film, in your project, and they get along for the ride, and then they really care about it, and you have super fans, which is great. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love that you put in tiers where people get to be a part of it. Like, you get to be drawn into the animated part, or you get to have a voice in the crowd, or Ooh, something like that. Popular. And those sold out well, so fast. And it's kind that. of, um, it's, yeah, you're funding, but you're also advertising all in one, because I've heard people be like, where can I watch it? And I'm like, no, 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 it's, we're still, we haven't made it. And, yeah, <laughs> we haven't made it. But if you, if you want it to be made, and you are interested, you know, you're kind of... Um, smash that subscribe button. Yeah. yeah. And it is a gear shift, right? As an artist, it always feels a little like, oh, God, I gotta ask for money. And yet... I I think probably in my 30s, there was a real shift where I had to realize, like, no, I'm not begging for money. I'm, I'm asking them to be a part of something. Yeah, and yeah. they're getting something in return. And that's when you really see, like, oh, this is okay. I'm giving them an opportunity. And they're really thrilled to jump on board and become a part of this team. It's a community yeah. collaboration for art, yeah. which is what kind of art's about. Right? Yeah. It democratizes art yeah. in a really Oof. wonderful way. Oof. Yes. 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 Where can people find the crowdfund and where can they find each of you and follow along with what you're doing and where the project Absolutely. is? Here, start this way. Me this first. way? Where can you find me? Well, uh, other than right here. Uh, apparently mainly on TikTok. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Um, so my socials, my socials on Neil Newborn. Um, yeah, I also do streaming as well. So uh, we do a like, kind of comedy show, interview other actors and talk about projects and things like that. Um, but yes, Is mainly. That on Twitch? That's on Twitch. Yeah. So Instagram, Twitter, the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, well, you can find the crowdfund on seedandspark.com and just search for burned and then it, it should pop up there. Uh, I'm mostly on Instagram because I just don't have time for anything else. I'm Sissy Speaks on Instagram. Um, I'm also starting a company to uh, protect voice actors against AI. So keep an eye on Morphine. 
Oh, uh, I'm on Instagram as Snarkler. The other ones Snarkler. are kind of mean. And then TikTok, I'm just not smart enough for. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm not on TikTok. I mean, yeah, in, in, Oh, you're featured, no, yeah. Because I, 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 I tried like I, a few and I just kept deleting them. I was like, wow, it's a lot harder uh, than it looks. <laughs> so uh, you won't, I'm there, but you won't find me. So just Instagram, yeah. And oh, and it, all the burn stuff I've pinned on my, like all of our links mm. are pinned on my socials. So if you forget anything and you see me. Oh, I need to yeah. do that. And I'm at Paula underscore Rhodes on all the socials and uh, at Burned Movie. We have for our Instagram to kind of funnel people to. It's very beautiful, yes. too. Oh, thank you. Very beautiful. Oh. Um, yeah, too, too many things in the row right now, but we're keeping it in the air and I'm really excited. We're right on track right now fundraising, but we would really love for more of you to join us please, please. in making Burned. Thanks for listening. You can find Temple of Geek on most social platforms under at Temple of Geek. And if you want to follow me, I am at Joy Goblin on a variety of platforms as well. Come and find me.